You are listening to an Unlocked New Models episode. Less than half of our interviews, discussions, audio dramas, or monologues are ever made public. To access all of our content, or to join the discussions in our Discord server, visit patreon.com slash newmodels, or newmodels.substack.com. Welcome to New Models. On this episode, we're joined by London-based cultural theorist Alex Kicho, who helps us explore a question that's come up repeatedly on this podcast. What is it about the figure of the girl that makes it such a successful subjectivity online? Building on the ideas of Takun's 1999 anti-neoliberal treatise, Preliminary Materials for a Theory of the Young Girl, Andrea Long Chu's Females, and Bogna Konyar's work on the girl and the inhuman vis-a-vis the machinic, Kicho has developed some answers into a concept she calls the girl stack, which, to borrow her words, models the ultra-smooth, cyber-gothic, and angelic dimensions of the girl's natural habitat. In Berlin to give a lecture on girlification at Cream Cake's 3HD festival, Kicho stopped by our studio to tell us more. One note. To be clear, we're speaking here of not actual girls or the experience of lived girlhood, but a socially constructed ideation of the young girl. Young girl is a vehicle for selling a product. Young girl is a tool for manipulating entrenched power. Young girl is living currency. Young girl is desiring machine. I'm Lil Internet joined by my co-host Carly Busta. Our guest is theorist Alex Kicho. Let's get into it. Okay, so we are in the studio today with Alex Kicho, who is a writer, artist, bot, educator, theorist, and director, according to her site, who teaches at Central St. Martin's in London and the London College of Fashion. She is the author of Small Gods, which was published by Zone in 2021, and has bylines and publications such as Wire, Vogue, Vice, New Inquiry, Book Forum, Real Life, and others. She's in Berlin this week for Cream Cake's 3HD Festival, where she just presented last night. First of all, Alex, welcome to New Models. Thank you for making the time to stop by. Thanks for having me. And so what did you present on yesterday, actually? Tell us. I presented the Girl Stack. It's like a proposition, a model for post-platform survival that uses the cyber gothic, angelic, and ultra smooth as ways of thinking our ways out of like a trap. Okay, well, this is going to be really interesting to unpack. We'll ask you to tell us a bit more of this. Julian, I know you had an opening question. First of all, yeah, you have a four-character Twitter and Instagram handle, which is extremely elite. How did you get it? How did I get it? Yeah, were you just like, you just signed up like the week after it started? Or <laughs> both of them? I mean... Well, it's funny because I think that I share my initials with an association in Peru. <laughs> and they're constantly trying to get it from me, but in really like uh, nefarious ways. Whoa. Like people are always like trying to tag me in things, but also like take over my Instagram and Twitter handles. But did you buy it on a market? No, I think I was just a like internet baby. Same handle the whole time. <laughs> Amazing. That's, yeah, wow. that's impressive. 
So we first reached out to you after you wrote this great piece in Wired called Everyone is a Girl Online. And our Discord picked up on it right away. I know a lot of other press outlets also did. This fall, we've spoken with different guests who have all been kind of dancing around some of the themes that you hit head on. For instance, we just recorded with the producers of Film 01 by Angelicism which takes as its, let's say, keywords, extinction, eternity, and girl. We also recently spoke with Natasha Stagg about her new book of collected writings called Artless, which relays vignettes of her life working in the creative sector, both artistically and commercially. And the point has come up often on our podcast that female-coded subjects appear in high volume online because they are more mediagenic and therefore attentionally successful, whether miladies, avatars, and anime figures, or TikTok stars, and other mass influencers. In your essay for Wired, you put forward a very useful framework for why. Listeners to New Models will largely already be familiar with de Kuhn's theory of the young girl, which positions the figure of the young girl as a metaphor for a way of existing under neoliberal capitalism. Uh, as they say, and you quote, a technique of the self in a time of entrepreneurial selfhood, where one operates as living currency, money vivant. But Takun penned that theory in the late 90s, well before we'd seen the young girlification of everything play out via Web 2 and Web 3 and whatever form of the digital is emergent now. But revisiting this category of girl, you show it to be a default subjectivity of the techno-determinist online space, and even an egregore of sort, a mode that doesn't just exist in the collective psyche, but seems to direct it, organize it, to be a key pillar to the way culture operates now. I know you've now done a lot of press in relation to this piece, and I imagine it's also the basis of your Girl Stack program, but I wonder if you'd be willing to reprise your basic thesis for us so listeners can have it in mind during our conversation. Yeah, totally. Thank you for such a generous reading of it, first of all. But yeah, so we developed, or we, I keep thinking of myself. You and your avatar. Me and my avatar. (laughs) Developed a theory of the girl. I think it was, it began with like the proliferation of like girl meme. I can't believe my actions have consequences. I'm literally just a girl. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That kind of vibe or like little deer faces that say I'm just a girl. Right. You perform a fragility or innocence and that removes you from any kind of responsibility. And that piqued my interest in that. I'm not really like a meme person, Mm. but I really liked this idea that it was a bit knowing, like doe-eyed, but kind of like glancing off to the side, like Mm. knowingly about it. I've always been really dissatisfied about narratives of like girlishness as a kind of default victimhood or like passivity and helplessness. I've never perceived girlhood as that, but I always felt that that was where the power of it Lay. I mean, as experience of a girl probably matches that too, where like you know that you're being perceived by society in a certain way. And at a certain point when you become conscious of that, you're able to flex that a little bit. Exactly, exactly. And start to flex that in a way where you're finding out where the most resistance is and yeah. where the most pliability is. Totally. And that's like the intelligence of girlness that I found to be also integral to manipulating the platform. And so the theory of the girl takes three categories of subjectivity. The girl herself is like a vector. She attaches herself to you and she's almost like a shimmer that exists on your being. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of hatred of the girl recently has also been around like, why are grown women performing Mm -hmm. girlishness? Or like, what is the power of identifying as a girl when you have exited girlhood supposedly, but then understanding as well that like signifiers of youth and girlhood are totally constructed. They're not attached to biology, obviously. So what it means to perpetuate that or like use that to a certain effect. So the theory goes through, you know, how first of all, I consider the girl to be a symbolic 
category of subjectivity. So referencing Andrea Longchu and her book Females, which she wrote while she was transitioning. But it's in this amazing theory that reskins psychoanalysis to assert that everyone is female in relation to how they become vessels for desire. Mm. And the second category is consumer subjects. So that's the Tikhun line. Yeah. What I love about that book is that everyone, if you read it as a misogynist critique of girlness, it's a fearful anti-manifesto of the girl, mm. right? The girl is this weapon we must be cautious of. But I like to read it as a play it louder manifesto. Yeah. It's like a girl is like a war machine. And I'm like, yeah. hell yeah, yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I also appreciate that. I mean, I also think that Takoon is often misread. They clearly state in like their opening that Jock is a, can be a girl, the girlification of all these different... Of the Pope. Of the Pope. Berlusconi. Yeah, Berlusconi, <laughs> exactly. I could be wrong, but my understanding of it, okay, on the surface level, it's misogynistic to depict an idea of girlhood in such like a negative way. But I think they were saying that girl, as we understand girl or jeune fille, is like a media category, a marketing category. And like also and like some kind of noyospheric archetype or something. Right. It's like a pure symbol, like pure concept. Right. It's exactly. It's, it's not, exactly. Like, it's not actually, it's, it's not literally not about... tied to the world of atoms and carbon. Right. Or like, like what girlhood actually is. It's like an understanding of girlhood as instrumentalized by media or by marketing in the 90s, right? Advertising. If you look at the original version that was published in French, there's all these amazing photographs in it of like male models and they use advertising copies. So I think the consumer category presumes that the gendered idea of a youthful female is a totally constructed container. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And that is what it is, right? I mean, in the most trad sense, it's this forbidden desire yeah. that creates this endless engine. Yeah. One of the things I found interesting about that framing is also that the girl comes in to like replace ritual and right. attachment in that way. She becomes an engine of pure desire. And I thought that connected so strongly to Andrea Longchu's thesis. Yeah thinking about the power of everyone being rendered female, but also desiring an unattainable girlishness. And I think that what was important to me was thinking about architectures of these platforms as like ad tech and how the 90s young girl thesis was tethered to advertising yeah. so that the ad tech model intensifies the problems and powers of advertising and embeds it in a surveillance structure. Yeah. And that all the ways that attention is directed, extracted and monetized is inextricable from living as girl. For yeah. sure. And so then there's also a third sector. So yeah, the third point here about the inhuman, I have a lot of gratitude to Bogna Konyar. I developed these ideas with her, or this final idea, because I know she was doing a lot of research into the inhumanness of girlness. In our conversation, Bogna asserted to think about the girl as a machinic or inhuman, in fact, is not as derogatory hmm. or objectifying as one might think. Actually, to be closer to the machine is to also be closer to a type of collective or superintelligence. Hmm. To me, I have some interest in understanding the inhuman as a category that is always generative and productive from a decolonial angle or whatever, yeah. like who has been excluded from the human category anyway? Ah, um, and uh -huh. how is it useful to think about the inhuman as ways of reconstructing humanity? Oh, interesting thinking about how you would actually accelerate into the inhumanity of the girl subject and to accept her as a shimmer, as a parasite, as a mecca you climb into, to then negotiate the platform as a gothic environment that uh. is always watching. So the girl is essentially the decoy that you can then pilot to navigate this oh, constant wow. watching. That's so good. <laughs> I love that. 
Also, to clarify, because I had this issue on a previous podcast, I also use the metaphor of Mecca for something, but it's like M-E-C-H-A in like anime, like the robot suit. Right, oh, right. Wear, not, but it's like... Not the place gets, in Saudi Arabia. Right. It seems confusing if you're like trying to make a religious metaphor or something, but no, the Japanese okay. robot suit. Yeah. yeah. Mecca with an H. Yeah. Unless your religion is Evangelion. <laughs> Which would apply to some listeners. <laughs> Evangelion Christians here. That's true, that's true. But I mean, of course, you know, in some ways this trope goes back a long time. You think of Metropolis, you think of the figure of the woman and the machine and the monster, and this is like something that is longstanding. But this idea of being able to pilot it, this avatar that you're able to manipulate and send forth into this machinic environment. Like if the world is organized by this machine logic, here is your subject. Which maybe is interesting because, you know, when Takoon was writing Theory of a Young Girl, Hart and Negri were publishing empire around this time. It was this like peak neoliberalism, fear about the individuation of the consumer subject, the alienation, the breakdown of community, etc. But in the past, I would say five or six years, since people started getting really like sus of Web 2 and started receding into dark forest or cozy web spaces or whatever. And also due to COVID. And due to COVID and due to the affordances of like Web 3 structures or discords that were related to those, you see like squads and crews and gangs and quote, quote, communities. I mean, you know, swarms, hives, swarms, hives, exactly. And you write also about swarms, of course. And so speaking about this figure of the girl as this machine suit, how do you see that as relating to this change subject? It's no longer just an individual. It is like a community. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking about when I was like putting this piece together was this idea that the central problem of the platform era is not necessarily the existence of these vast architectures, but the fact that they're all designed for the individuated scale. Yeah. I think that is probably accepted with your listeners Definitely. As, yeah. <laughs> as a line. But we also can't deny that it continues to exist that way. Yeah. And having done work with these platforms in a commercial sense, it's so useful to sell to individual right, right. tastes. And the individual, not as you, as like a cute, unique being, right. like individual <laughs> as, like a, as an assemblage of market categories. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> like, you know, when you like go on Instagram and like check how are the ads targeting you, yeah. it's like female 18 to 29 like <laughs> resides in Le- greater London area. Yeah, and like definitely. It just, that's you as an individual. Right. So about the girl as swarm, you guys have really covered in your show a lot the pseudonymous culture and this like desire for anonymity. I always return to like the shimmer, like how do you evade capture? There's a book coming out, Machine Decision is Not Final. There's huh. an essay in it. It talks about machine envy Specifically, and it, that essay begins with this case study of people on the Chinese internet that were role playing being bots, and that as a specific way of dodging certain expectation of like political agency, but then freed up these people role playing bots to say things in a different and more surprising way. The behavior we've seen kind of adopted with the Remilia BRG crew, where there's now like a swarm voice. People like to role play the egregore being like, I'm speaking in the voice of all the girls. Right. And the desire to like remove individual authorship in those circles seemed like a logical evolution of where do you go after behavioral surplus? Right. Um, The swarm is like a great place to flee into. Yeah. 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 What do you mean by behavioral surplus? um, I think that was like a, Shoshana Zuboff term Hmm. from the age of surveillance capitalism throwback to 2016. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But this idea that Google shifted from being a pure search engine 
with the understanding that the surplus data around how people were searching and what they were searching for and like what habits formed around that and what you could infer from that decision making online was actually more valuable than the prompts themselves. Yeah. So that defined the platform era, like Web2 really, right. is that like a lot of the money and like how ad tech was assembled was like via this idea that like behavioral surplus was something that you could then extract and turn into more revenue. Mm. And that was the basis for like all of our legacy social media platforms. Yeah. I mean, I think it's also the basis for why political movements, as they played out on these platforms, became such a mess. You know, right? they also can't escape a game model. Like everything right. becomes reduced to games. Right. Everything like all of the positions or slogans or statements become technical images. The text gets mediated and they're just right. used as weapons or actions in the game space. I wonder if you had tried to trace the history of the young girl avatar online. I mean, a lot of these dynamics of swarm behavior and not being your real self. I mean, I just remember it as being a structure that 4chan leveraged to be the most powerful force online for many years, actually. But I wonder, yeah, if you actually looked into the specific history or timeline of the young girl online. I wish I did because the number one hater comment I've been getting is that I am a Zoomer rewriting internet history, which to which I will say thank you. <laughs> um, but specific timelines, no. I think I understood the dimension of the power that you describe and being like, how do we actually conceptualize that or like write around it? Things make sense to me because I like grew up in that peak 410 time and also the 2015 fucked up time where everyone in politics is like anime avatars are like the <laughs> yeah. most dangerous forces President on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, there's a lot of like amazing writing about like the anime girl as something that is like feared and reviled, but also as a compelling ideal of the evacuated girlhood. I think the best writing around that comes out of like trans communities. So there's like a real, not real dimension there that is like super powerful. But for some reason, it's like an anime girl who's like completely two dimensional uh -huh. and like to want to occupy her yeah. has its own force and like compellingness behind it that supersedes the way that a company might think about, you know, we have to make sure our avatars accurately represent humanity or like our video game library has to have the most like accurate like skin and hair textures so everyone feels represented. And then you're like, what if everyone just wants to look as fucked up as possible? Yeah, but right, <laughs> right, right. I mean, I'm sure there's really interesting trends discourse around it, but like, it's true that like this like destination gender of woman, it ends up having a particular like look to it in a way often. I mean, I know that doesn't go for everybody, but there's a category of woman that functions as egregore that is somehow related to that discourse. Yeah, and it reminds me of, I know you guys like think about like midness a lot and how yeah. like AI is like a mid machine. <laughs> yeah. And like Taylor Lauren. Oh yeah. Wrote that thing about like AI doesn't understand people who aren't hot, uh -huh. but like that type of hotness being like extremely mid because it's like a statistical average right. of like right. attractive people. Right, right, right. Um, and like the difference between that type of midness versus the complete unreality of wanting to be an anime girl. Yeah. Like last night after I did Girl Stack, a friend of mine was like, have you seen this DIY estrogen that you can get in the holographic boxes that have anime girls outside. Wait, wow. explain, wait. What is it? It's, like <laughs> it's just how the estrogen is marketed. marketed. Yeah, so basically in places where you can't get like HRT or you right. can't get estrogen like within the medical infrastructure, ah, people right. have been doing their like DIY xenofeminism, like testo junkie, esto junkie, Whoa. and selling 
slickly packaged estrogen, but with amazing cat girls on the holographic boxes for it, which is like Like such a collector boxes for your estrogen. (laughs) Which I think really like represents the difference between the representation of the mid-commercial attractive AI digested woman egregore versus the like terrifying specter of the anime girl online. And I think that there's a split there in terms of like who wants to embody what and which one is attached to like a false exclusionary natural femininity. Right. And especially with like facial feminization surgery or whatnot. And like you could think of a feminist critique, but like that's not the point. The point is to become like a hyper emanation of femininity. Yeah. Hyper emanation is such a good word for it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's also a book published by NYU Press in August of this year by Avery Dame Griff, The Two Revolutions, A History of the Transgender Internet. And the author basically follows this internet history of transgender discourse evolving over the 80s on Usenet and BBSs, everything, and how it went from, like, online, these communities of, like, transsexuals and cross-dressers and transgender people. I mean, really, the history of the transgender discourse we know right now is... This concludes the public release of this New Models episode. To become a member of New Models and frictionlessly glide with us across the surface of tomorrow, you can join us at patreon.com newmodels or newmodels.substack.com.